Well, I want you to imagine for a moment. I want you to imagine that as you're sitting there comfortably in your pew, all of a sudden the, the doors at the front of the church there swing wide and in walks none other than the New South Wales Minister for Roads, the Honourable Duncan Gay. And as we all look around surprised, the minister makes his way up the centre aisle here, comes up to the front and takes the microphone and then declares... People of Chatswood Presbyterian Church, I hereby decree that as of this day, you are all now free from the rules of the road. No longer will there be any penalty for any of you who break those road rules. Now you're free from them all. And with that, the minister goes up the aisle and leaves us once again. Well, as we all sit here rather shocked at what's just happened, uh, it doesn't take very long before that little rev head deep inside each and every one of us starts to think about what the minister says and then we, we think to ourselves, all right, <laughs> never again will I be held up by a red traffic light when I'm running late. Uh, from now on, I'll just go straight through them. Never again will parking in chats would be a problem for me. <laughs> if the sign says one hour, I'll stay for ten or more if I want. Never again will I be stuck on Fuller's Road during peak hour traffic. Next time I'm in a traffic jam, I'll drive up the footpath. It'll be just like Italy. I'm sure that you would agree that it wouldn't take very long at all before this freedom from the road laws became to us something of a licence to drive however we want, which is probably exactly why the, the minister would never make such a foolish decree in the first place. Well, in the book of Galatians, the Apostle Paul has written to the Christians in the churches of Galatia, and he's told them in no uncertain terms that they are no longer under the laws of the Old Covenant. Not just the Ten Commandments, but the, the 613 or so commandments of the Old Covenant. He's told them that on the cross, Jesus bore the penalty, the curse, which comes from breaking the law. And so now these Christians are free, free from the demands of the law, free from the consequences of breaking the law. And I don't think it takes too much imagination to picture these Galatians reading this letter from, from Paul and having that little spiritual rev head deep inside them thinking to themselves, all right, now I can live however I want. But it's not just the Galatians who have heard this message. No, throughout this entire sermon series, we too have heard in no uncertain terms that we are no longer bound by any law to be saved. There's no law that we need to be kept to be saved. Our salvation has come to us as a free gift from Jesus, a totally undeserved free gift. And so as you have heard that message over the last few weeks, I dare say that it is very, very possible that you too have thought to yourself, all right, time to live however I want. Well, if that's you, then can I say that it is especially good that you're here today. Because as we will see today, we Christians can never 
come to the conclusion that our salvation provides us with some kind of license to live however we want. In fact, we'll see today that to think so is actually a very dangerous thought. Today we're going to be looking together at the second half of Galatians chapter 5. And so if you don't already have that part of the Bible open in front of you, can I encourage you to grab a a Bible now and turn with me to the second half of Galatians 5. It's page 826 of the small print or 1815 of the large print Bibles. And the passage begins with Paul making this very point, that the Christian's freedom from the law must never ever be seen as an opportunity to live however we want. Read with me from Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. Verse 13. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. So you see, it's true. The Galatian Christians have now been freed from the law. But now they must not view that freedom as an opportunity to do whatever they want. Instead, they've got to see it as an opportunity to love and serve others. And so at this point, for these Christians, actually nothing has changed from that time when they were bound to the law. Because at that time, they were also called to love others. In fact, that was the whole point of them being under the law. It was to show them how to love other people. And so Paul says that the whole law can be summarised simply as love your neighbour as yourself. All those 613 laws were were all ultimately about, about loving, loving God, loving others. It's just that when people were under the law, they couldn't actually do that. They failed time and time again. Why? Well, because they had a problem on their inside, a problem with their hearts and their minds, the problem of sin, which kept them from loving their neighbour as themselves. And so in the end, all the law actually achieved was, was to condemn these people. And so Jesus came and did away with the law. But this this freedom that now comes, that, 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 sorry, this freedom that they now have from the law doesn't mean that these Galatians are now any less called to love others. Not at all. And they need to realise that before it's too late because it seems that these Galatian churches have become some, something of a, a hotbed of, of infighting. But Paul warns them that if they keep on living like this, they'll end up destroying each other. Read with me from verse 14. Verse 14. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbour as yourself. But if you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So these Christians are still called to love one another. But the question is, how? How are they going to love their neighbour as themselves. I mean, if they weren't able to do that when they were bound to keeping the law, then how on earth are they going to do that now without the law? Well, Paul goes on to explain that the key to them doing this is God's Holy Spirit. See, of course, when we first become Christians, 
something extraordinary happens. God's own spirit, God's own Holy Spirit comes and makes his home in us, in our hearts, in our minds. And his very presence changes us. It has to. See, before I was married, I I lived alone. And at that time, I lived in a certain way. I had my own way of doing things, my own habits, my own idiosyncrasies. But when I got married, the way I lived changed. Uh, The hours I kept changed. Uh, The movies I watched changed. Uh, The the way I spent money changed. Uh, My personal hygiene changed. (laughs) It all changed. And thankfully, I can say that it changed mostly for the better. Now I live with kids as well. And my life has changed all the more. You know that your life has changed when you as an adult find yourself watching play school and realising that you've seen that episode before. (laughs) My life has changed a lot in the last five years because of the people who are now living with me, having their influence on me, rubbing off on me. Well, it's the same with the Holy Spirit. When he comes and lives in us, he too has an influence on us. He too rubs off on us. And what is the Holy Spirit like? Well, what is God like? 1 John chapter 4, God is love. That's what God's like, isn't it? That, love, that's his very character, that's his very nature. Love. And now God, in the person of the Holy Spirit, lives in us and, and works in us that, so that we too might now desire to, to love others and that we might actually be enabled to love others in a way that we were never capable of doing before he came to live in us. And now what these Galatians need to do is to let the Holy Spirit rub off on them. to to let their conduct, their way of life, be influenced by God's spirit rather than that old, selfish, sinful nature. Because unfortunately when we become Christians, um, that old, selfish, sinful nature doesn't simply disappear, it doesn't go away. Unfortunately it remains with us and will for the rest of our lives until we get to heaven And that means that for now, there is a kind of um, war going on inside each of us, a war between God's spirit and our sinful nature, a war because the two have absolutely nothing in common. They're like the worst housemates ever. The Holy Spirit, who is all about loving and serving others. The sinful nature, which is all about loving and serving me. They're like chalk and cheese, light and darkness. They've got nothing in common. And so you can't please one without aggravating the other. There's this conflict inside us. But when we listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, well, that's proof that we're no longer under law. It's proof that we've truly got God's Holy Spirit now living in us. Here, read with me from verse 16. Verse 16. So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. 
For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under law. And I think it's true, isn't it? that we Christians know something of this battle within, don't we? Those times when we're, we're drawn to sin, but there's that voice inside us going, stop, don't do that. That little voice that pricks our conscience and it makes us realise, this is not what God wants for us. This is, this is not in line with what God says in the Bible. Well, that's the Holy Spirit prompting us, isn't it? And alternatively, when, we're, when we're, we are doing good and there's that other voice inside us that calls us to stop, don't persevere in that. Don't be bitter about that. Be proud about that. Well, that's the voice of the sinful nature, isn't it? Two are in conflict with one another. So there's this war within. And what does following the voice of the sinful nature look like? Well, Paul gives us a list. Certainly not an an exhaustive list, but a list of 15 vices that result from following the sinful nature. Here, read them with me from verse 19. Verse 19. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. So, in other words, any kind of sexual relations relations that take place outside of the marriage, the marriage between a man and a woman. Whether that be sex with prostitutes, or homosexual relationships, or adultery, or boyfriends and girlfriends, simply making sure that they're so-called sexually compatible before they get married. That's all included in the acts of the sinful nature. And it would also include pornography, lust. And verse 20, idolatry and witchcraft. Those vices particularly prevalent in the pagan society of the Galatian churches the the society that they found themselves in. But vices which could easily be extended to include for us today, well, worshipping anything other than God, or finding our security and our significance in anything other than God, whether that be money, or sport, or work, or study, or relationships. And then continuing on in verse 20, What have we got there? All sorts of relational vices, don't we? Look, what are they? Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. You know, all the result of wanting to get our own way at the expense of others. And then finally, in verse 21, drunkenness, orgies and the like. So, 
drinking alcohol to excess, a big problem in our society and in the Christian church, a bigger problem than I think we would like to admit. And then orgies, the the obvious immoral revelry that follows drunkenness. All of these are the acts which result from following the sinful nature. And Paul warns these Christians that all those who persist in living these ways will not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, they will not be saved. Look with me at the second half of verse 21. 21, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so after five and a half chapters of Paul telling us over and over and over again that we are saved by grace and not saved by our own good works. Is he now going back on all of that here? Is he he here now declaring that in fact we are saved by our works? Well, no, not at all. What he is saying is that central to our salvation is having God's Holy Spirit come and live in us. And when God's spirit truly lives in us, well, he will rub off on us. He will change us such that those who persist unrepentantly in doing these things simply show that they do not have the Holy Spirit in them, that they're not saved in the first place, that they are fooling themselves because they will not inherit the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. No, the Galatians cannot go on living like this thinking that they're okay because they're not. Instead, what should be seen in their lives are the effects of the Holy Spirit. And what does a spirit-filled Christian look like? Well, Paul goes on to tell us in verse 22 where he, he calls these effects of the Holy Spirit the fruit of the Spirit. Look with me at this list beginning in verse 22. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. So there you go. That's the first effect of the Spirit in our lives. It's love. Not a love of self, but a love of others. Uh, It's a love that looks out for their needs and their good. A love that is self-sacrificial and unconditional. A love that looks very, very much like the love that God has shown each of us through his son Jesus. That's love, the first fruit. The next is joy. Joy, that that attitude that finds satisfaction and security in God, you know, despite the circumstances of life in which we find ourselves, whether good or bad, that's that's joy. The next is peace. Peace. That desire of to have good relationships with, with others, with all others, even those who have let us down or hurt us. It's to be relationship builders, not relationship destroyers. It's peace. Then patience. Patience, the attitude of of enduring with others and with their flaws. Of enduring with life's circumstances, especially when life's hard or painful. It's, It's a matter of waiting for God, praying and waiting for him to answer our prayers, knowing that he is timing is often different from ours. That's patience. Then kindness, being thoughtful and considerate of others. Kindness. Then goodness, 
They're always doing the right thing. Goodness. Then faithfulness. And I think the kind of faithfulness being spoken of here is, is faithfulness in our relationships with others. You know, always keeping our promises, always being true to our word. That's faithfulness. And then finally, gentleness and self-control. You know, totally opposite to the fits of rage that, that we saw in that other list. But here we've got gentleness and self-control. And then Paul goes on to say, against such things there is no law. In other words, all those 613 commandments, not one of them is against this fruit of the Spirit. No, they're not against them. In fact, they're for them. That's because the law and the Spirit are both on about the same thing, loving God and loving others. It's just that where the law failed to do that, the Spirit actually succeeds. And all of this means that now these Galatian Christians have real choice in their lives. The choice to live according to the sinful nature or to live according to the Holy Spirit. And that's significant because it wasn't always the case. Because before these these Galatians became Christians, the, the sinful nature inside them was like an evil slave master who barked out his commands at them. And it had real power over them. But when the Galatians first came to Jesus in faith, it was like that evil slave master, that, that sinful nature was, was nailed to the cross with Jesus. And now its power was gone from them. Here, read with me from verse 24. Verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. You see, your sinful nature and mine, it's now hanging on a cross. It's as good as dead. Its life is ebbing away. Of course, every now and then that sinful nature still has the audacity to still bark out its orders at us. And every now and then we hear its voice and we jump to attention and we do what it says. But now we don't have to anymore. Because that sinful nature is hanging on a cross, dying. Its power over us is gone forever. Now we have real choice. So now these Galatian Christians, what they need to do is stop listening to the voice of the sinful nature and start listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, following his lead, walking in step with him. And needless to say, that means that now they've got to stop with the, the infighting and the, and, the, and the shameful ways and they've now got to start showing the fruit of the Spirit in their lives. Read with me these final verses from verse 25. Verse 25. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. I love that image. 
don't you? That the image of keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. I can't can't help but picture it as a bit like that TV show, um, you know, the one Dancing with the Stars. You know, where you, you get those couples who are just so totally in sync with one another. Those couples where one of them is so closely following the lead of the other that they move around that dance floor. It's a beautiful dance. And then there are those other couples, usually involving a footballer, (laughs) where you wonder if they're actually doing the same dance at all. She's going this way, he's going that way. He's ten steps behind. It's all pretty ugly. Well, these Galatians are now called to keep in step with the Holy Spirit, which means following his lead. Quickly, means listening to his promptings, not pulling away in the opposite direction, but choosing to follow his lead, trusting him that God's way really is the good life and the fountain of all joy. That was the lesson that the Galatian Christians needed to learn 2,000 years ago. And friends, of course, it, it remains the very lesson that you and I need to learn today. Friend, let me ask you a question. Is there some sin in your life that you're really struggling with at the moment? I don't know, perhaps something you heard on that list of vices or or maybe something else. Is there some sin in your life that you're really struggling with at the moment? Well, friend, if the answer is yes, then let me begin by saying to you, Rejoice. Rejoice. I mean, if you are genuinely struggling with that sin, rejoice. Because what that struggle is, is a sign that God's Holy Spirit is alive and well in you and that you belong to Jesus. You see, people without the Holy Spirit don't struggle with sin, they don't struggle to be holy. They're not interested in being holy. But if you are struggling, then rejoice. That war within is a sign of God's great commitment to you. But on the other hand, if you're not struggling with sin at all, and what I mean by that is if there is some sin in your life that you have simply settled for, doesn't bother you anymore, Perhaps you've reasoned, well, I'm saved, so it doesn't really matter anyway. If that's you, then, friend, please know with certainty that you're walking down a very, very dangerous path. The Bible says, God says, I warn you that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Friend, you can't go on living like that and thinking that you're okay. You're not. Our salvation is never a license for us to do whatever we want. Because part of our salvation is God's spirit inside us. And he'll never let us get away with that. If that's you, then friend, I say this morning, 
repent. Repent, call on God to forgive you and ask for God's Holy Spirit to come and now make his home in you and then get in step with him. Which is, of course, exactly what each and every one of us is now called to do. To get in step with the Holy Spirit. To say no to that old sinful nature. And yes to God's Holy Spirit. And the good news, no, the great news is that now you can. Because now you have real choice. That old slave master is now hanging on a cross, dying, he's doomed, without any power over you anymore. Now there is no sin in your life that is inevitable. Now you are free. Oh yeah, of course, now don't be surprised if at times you still hear that old master barking out his commands at you. Don't be surprised if at times you find yourself snapping to attention and obeying. But know that from now on you, you don't need to anymore. Because now you've got God's powerful Holy Spirit within you. And now you only need to listen to his voice. How will you hear his voice? Well, of course, his voice will always be clearest when you know what God's will is for you through the scriptures, through the Bible. As you meditate on his word throughout the day. And of course, as you pray for the Spirit's guidance, that's when you'll hear his voice clearest. So now, friend, as we each hear his voice, let's learn to follow his lead. Like a good dance partner, not pulling away, not hesitating, but always seeking to keep in step with him. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you and we praise you that you have given us your Holy Spirit, that he now lives in us and is at work in us. Father, thank you that little by little he's changing our hearts and minds to to love our neighbour as ourselves. Lord, we want to thank you for the struggle that we have with sin. We thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit in us who causes that struggle. Father, we're, we're so sorry that we're sinners in the first place and we thank you so much for our Saviour, Jesus. Father, please help us to never ever see our freedom from the law as an opportunity now to sin. Instead, help us to see it as the, as the destructive thing that it is to sin. And please help us to choose your good ways, keeping in step with your Holy Spirit inside us, being quick to listen and quick to respond to his promptings like a good dance partner. Father, please fill us with, with all the fruit that comes from your Spirit that we might live to please you and bring you glory in all things. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.